I'm Blake Hargreaves, and this is Future Stops. We're excited today to share with you an exclusive glimpse of yet-to-be-released music with pipe organ called The Improvisational Suite by American composer Amina Claudine Myers. Known for her work as a jazz pianist that traces back to Chicago in the 1960s and continues to this day, in July, Myers received the Lifetime Achievement Award at New York's Vision Festival. Myers also plays the pipe organ improvising in her dazzling mix of voices and idioms at recitals around North America and Europe. But it was deep in the southern United States during the 1950s that her musical journey began. Well, my great-uncle by marriage had attended Tuskegee Institute and got a degree in carpentry. But he, he was really a musician, I have a picture on my wall with him around 1907, standing out of the campus of Tuskegee in Alabama, with playing a, he's playing the flute and thick clarinet is on the ground. So he started me when I was about four. I remember walking around the room counting one, two, three, four, like March and like, and he loved to sing. He would go to church. When he went to church at night, he would take his flashlight. And he loved to sing. So he's the one that really started me in music. And I didn't, never forget that. So he passed away. And around when I was about six, I started taking lessons in the nearest town. I was born in Blackwell, Arkansas. And I went to the nearest town about seven miles away called Morrison, Arkansas. And there were uh, the Catholic Church slash school, Sacred Hearts, and I started taking piano lessons with the nuns. These were, these were uh, white teachers, and I took piano there. And then my great aunt, we moved to Dallas, Texas. And when I got to Dallas, Texas, I continued studying classical piano. And about 11 years old, I started playing for the church and playing by ear, you know, gospel hymns and things like that with rhythm and, and, and improvisation while singing. And then in school, I was still studying classical. I studied classical piano all the way up through college. and uh, But I was playing by ear. And so then we moved, I moved back to... Arkansas, when I was in 11th grade, and I formed a group in Blackwell, and these, it was four, four of us, and these young ladies were seeing all the parts. They were very, very good. So we continued to sing gospel and travel a few places through some of the churches in Arkansas. The, uh, the name of the girls, ladies, young ladies, were, we were the Gospel Four. But we had another name, the Royal Hearts. The Royal Hearts, we sang, the male groups were popular at that time. You know, the Ten Commandments of Love, and Try Me, James Brown's Try Me. And we were singing those songs. 
so we said it wasn't right to sing gospel songs because we, uh, we also gospel. We were singing songs by the staple singers, you know, uh, uh, Clara Ward, the Caravans. These were female groups. I called the gospel classical period of the fifties, and said it wasn't right to sing gospel and rhythm and blues. So we decided we would just stick with gospel. That lasted about one day. But we continued to sing both of those. So then I, after I graduated from high school, I went to Philander Smith College. I said I was going to be a, uh, a classical pianist, you know. But that wasn't in the mix. I didn't to play gospel, uh, classical music and everything. You know, you need to be on the piano eight or nine hours a day. <laughs> that wasn't really uh, what I did, was supposed to do in life. But I majored in music education. So then I, when I was in college, a young lady came up to me and said she had a gift for me playing in a nightclub. I said, girl, I can't play in a nightclub. She said, yes, you can. It pays $5 a night. And so I went down to the club, it was a jazz club, and I knew about two jazz songs. I knew all the leaves and stuff. Anyway, that's how I got started. And so when the organs came on the scene and you were playing in clubs, that those were electric organs, and then you moved to the church? Yes. The Hammond B3. No, the Hammond B3. That's what I played in Little Rock, Arkansas. That was the first organ you played? Yes, and, and believe it or not, we had in Blackwell, the Methodist Church, we had a very low membership, but we had a, one of those old pump organs, you know, that you, you, you pump with your feet to get the sound. Well, it was very, oh, very small, and it was in the, the parsonage, parsonage, where the preacher lived when he came to Blackwell. We only had church twice a month, on the second and fourth Sunday. So the minister would come, and the, that organ was in his house, in, in the parsonage. So I, when I came moved to uh, Chicago, uh, I wanted to get that organ, you know, because it was just sitting there, and it was, it was antique. And it, I remember you had to pump real hard with your feet to get the sound started. But when I wanted to get it bring it to Chicago, one of the church members sold it and got a couch. And so I missed, I really hated that, you know, because it was a beautiful old organ. But the Heaven B3 came into, you know, you know, Jimmy Smith, you know, Groove Holmes or Jack McDuff. Uh, Shirley, Shirley Scott, all these organ players, you know, they were on the scene. And I never played organ before, but I was daring. And uh, the drummer, who was from Lexington, Kentucky, he called me one summer. I was in Louisville, Kentucky, on vacation, I mean, at home. He said, I got a job for you, but it's playing the organ. And I said the same thing that I said when I when that girl from Detroit got me the job at Little Rock, Arkansas. I said, I can't play no organ. He said, yes, you can. It has pedals just like the hands, you know, just like the piano. And I went to Lexington, Kentucky every weekend. I took the Greyhound bus. 
And I played in the Elks Club. It was a rhythm and blues club. And, uh, but I was trying to play jazz at the beginning. When people came in the club, you know, they'd be sitting down quietly and everything. And by the end of the night, they on the floor doing the dog. I was doing rhythm and blues stuff. I was doing, uh, as I said, it was organ singing and playing by ear. And, uh, but I was trying to play jazz at the beginning of the night. I tried to play a little blues and people, they wouldn't applaud. But they hadn't, they hadn't uh, started drinking yet. <laughs> In the 1960s, Myers moves to Chicago and quickly starts gigging, finding herself immersed in a burgeoning new movement now known as free jazz. At the core of this new movement in Chicago is the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians, or AACM, of which Myers was an early member. The music was growing. The musicians were writing songs that were not uh, traditional sounding, was not fitting into what a lot of clubs and places were used to listening to. They were listening to used to standard songs. And uh, the musicians were writing from their point of view. They were creating new new, uh, new ways to write music with no certain rules. For instance, when I was playing with a musician, I won't call his name, I was playing to have an organ with him. But when I became a member of the AACM, I started hearing my, my mind started opening up to where I was extending the music as I was playing. And so I was playing with him one night, and he turned around and had his hands on both sides on the end of the organ. He was in front of me, facing me. He said, you're not playing the blues. You're not playing the blues, Claude, because I had went outside the form. I was still playing the blues, but it wasn't following, you know, A flat to B flat, I mean, A flat to D flat, you know, you know, the standard form of the blues. I went outside, the, opening it up more. And so he stopped me. He said, you're not playing the blues. I kept playing it. But he was announced I had to go back into the blues form. So the AACM the musicians were found out you don't have to go from from say F to C as usual. You go to F to F sharp, baby. Whatever. We you were able to write your own music and we had a place to play it. So there were no there were no directions on how to write your music and how to play it. There was an audience to come to hear what you played. The people respected. We went outside. We weren't writing music in the same way. All it was opening, opening it up more, opening the music up more, opening sounds and things, being creative. And I found out the people. I said, "Wow, I can, I can do this. I can play this this way." And so I started trusting myself and believing in what I was doing. But we were able to AACM. We had a way to express ourselves by writing our own music and performing it. That was one of the guidelines of being in the AACM for you to create your own music. Because, you know, it wasn't that many. We, we had to take control 
around music because there weren't too many places to play in Chicago. You know, we had our own building to have rehearsals and started having training programs for young kids in the neighborhood. And people, people from Europe came came to Chicago to see the AACM. Then that musicians started leaving Chicago. Went to Europe. Roscoe and Lester Moore, they all went to Europe. And so I was dying musically in Chicago. So I started playing for the church again. The choirs, I was playing. I was, a, I, was, I was the organist for the, for the uh, Young Adult Choir. And they found out, the other musicians found out that I could play the pipe organ. I, I started playing when, when the organist for the, uh, for the mass choir went on vacation. She, she asked me to play. As the musical landscape in Chicago continued to evolve, Myers makes the decision to move to New York City and leave the church organist gig behind. But her time playing the pipe organ in Chicago proves very valuable in the coming years as she embarks on an incredible project. So when I came to New York in 76, I just had, I was able to buy half a B3 organ before I came. Then I got my retirement money from teaching school. I came to New York with that money. I ran out of money. I couldn't tell you how I survived here, but I had a nice place to stay. Then I was a jazz messenger for about a week. But then Lester Bowie came over to my house and invited me to go to... No, I was misbehaving. I was an assistant music director before they went to Broadway. I taught the songs, and they all called all them. I taught them the songs, and... Uh, then Lester Carl came and asked me to go to Europe, Lester Bowie. And so I, and, and, and people were getting ready to go to Broadway. And I was going to go along. But I wanted to go with Lester because that's what I wanted to do. You know, play, play, play jazz and stuff. That's how my European concert and things started. Because we went everywhere. We went to the Winter Olympics in Norway and uh, it was wonderful experience playing with and let, playing and recording with, with Lester. Then I started doing my own thing. Okay, and so this must be when uh, getting close to 1980 when you made your album. Yes, the first album was "Song for Mother E." What does the name mean? Song for Mother. My mother's name was Eldora. Okay. And uh, I just wrote. Uh, you wanted to dedicate it to her. And then the last one I did called Sabaru, which is Senegalese, a song from my soul. And I wanted to honor my ancestors by doing some of my favorite hymns, I mean, uh, spirituals, Negro spirituals, as they call them, along with some of my pieces. That was solo piano and voice. And then I started playing a pipe organ. So I'm doing pipe organ uh, concerts and recitals in Hungary, uh, Switzerland, Austria, uh, Germany. We're just in Berlin. What made you decide to do that? Like, it seems like the pipe organ was kind of in the background. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. 
I'm getting ready to release the improvisational suite for chorus, pipe, organ, and percussion. That's what 16... I, I wanted to see in 1979, I wanted to showcase operatic voices in an improvisational setting. So I chose singers, you know, lyric coloratura, counter tenor. Uh, I wanted, I chose these singers from the Alvin Ailey Dance Company because Alvin Ailey was doing Revelations and the Blue Suites. And I went to see him. In fact, I, we went to California. I went, the piano, pianist, I took his place, substitute. We went to California. That's where I met Albert. And uh, a young man brought Albert over to my house because he heard the improvisational suite. And he thought it would be nice for Albert to, to uh, choreograph. He could use the music, you know, uh, by suite, some of my compositions for his dance. Company, but Alvin said the suite would run the dancers off the stage. It didn't need any dancers. But uh, I took eight singers from the 16 singers and we went to Europe, Finland, Norway, Paris, and we performed here in the States, the eight singers from the 12, 16 singers. And so, uh, but the pipe organ. It's something, as I said, I played Mozart's Reckham in school, but I never studied the pipe organ, never. And I guess I had nerves because I decided to do the pipe organ recitals and stuff. I think the first one was in Hungary. We used to go up into the back of the church and you'd go up the stairs, narrow stairs, and you could see down through. And when I was here in New York, when I moved here, this is uh, the, the Catholic Church is right around the corner from my house. I went and asked, as I said, I have some nerve. I went up to the oh, and when I was in Canada in Toronto, we did a concert up there. A friend of mine did at the university. Uh, he was getting his degree, and he he did a a program, and uh, I I played the pipe organ. The dancer from Chicago, a choreographer, she danced. I remember she had a sheet, wrapped a sheet around her, a white bed sheet, and I played the pipe organ and improvised. I played it there in Toronto. Anyway, uh, so I, I, I decided I wanted to do improvisational, some of my pieces, on the pipe organ. That's how I started. There were two. There was an organ in, in Rotterdam, Rotterdam, uh, Austria. It was a, a Baroque organ. And I didn't know it was Baroque until I looked at it a few, a few, few, few minutes before. I think I, I worked on it for about two hours I only had one rehearsal on the organ, but Baroque organ, I said, oh, no, I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And it, 
because, you know, I was used with pedals, you know, no fire, no nothing. I mean, there were pedals, but I mean, as far as volume pedals, you know, two or some organs, had, you had, you don't have two or three organs, I mean, uh, pedals. But Baroque, none. And so I was, you know, it's a certain kind of technique. Are you an organist? Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, but not on top of that. Then I had it in Austria. The organ keys, the white keys were black. And first of all, we couldn't figure out the promoter. Uh, we couldn't figure out how to turn the organ on. And it was it was cold in Austria. And his grandmother had knitted him some socks that he gave me to wear. And the organ was in this. The organ was was in bad shape. You know, some of the pedals didn't work. So what I did was write down the stops and everything for each song that I did. He and he wanted me to play a blues of all things on the organ. <laughs> anyway, so the promoter sat beside me with these notes that I had given him for every song that I played. And he was supposed to pull out the stops because I didn't have time to learn. I didn't have time to do anything, you know, learn the stops. And the, so he got lost on the first composition. And then his sister and I played the blues, which I did. And, you know, I got a standing ovation. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was, it was, it was I mean, to me, it wasn't good. I got a standard ovation for the people. So when you were, when you did this tour on the pipe organ, this was kind of, um, you know, you just had an inspiration and decided you'd like to do that and that that would be a good way. Yeah. And, and so it was a combination of your own music and other people's music and improvisation. How did it sound? I do, I do Chopin, Chopin's A2. That's the only thing I do on, because it did turn it into a blues. I do it because Jimmy Smith recorded and did that years ago on the Heaven B3. And so I love, you know, of course I played Chopin and on the piano. But I, I do that. That's the only thing. But I do my music and do Negro spirituals. Yeah. I just decided to do, I said, I'd like to play the, the paper and uh, it, it's so beautiful and so much you can do with it. Oh, you know, I did a, this uh, in Houston, Texas. Uh, I did a uh, pipe organ. And uh, Connecticut. Uh, they're all different. And I just love, I love what the pipe, what the pipe organs do. In the improvisational suite, the many voices, sounds, and styles of the pipe organ from the classical world blend with Meyer's previous influences of jazz and choral work as well as the free-spirited exuberance that is a hallmark of the AACM. But uh, the improvisational suite, uh, first composition is called Colors, and that's the introduction, that's the instrumental only, only the organ. And then it goes into Earth. It's a very, it features a lyric coverture in the counter-tenor. And then ben, Manhattan, it's like a walking kind of jazz kind of thing. And it's, you know, the people, it's, it's expressing the people here in New York, the city of New York, the 
people walking down the street, and um, there's a drum, drum. And so I had, I had timpani drums and trap drums, and the second drummer was a kungu player.
You're listening to the Future Stops podcast, an initiative of the Royal Canadian College of Organists. My name is Blake Hargreaves, and I'm your host as we explore the world of the 21st century organ. We just heard today's feature piece, Earth, from Amina Claudine Meyer's Improvisational Suite. This incredible music gives us a glimpse into what's possible when a pipe organ is wielded by someone with a wide range of influences and an unbridled, wild creativity. The organ, you know, to me is, is like a large orchestra. And, I, you know, I, I just think it's, it's available for whatever kind of music you want to play. You know, it's, it can be very powerful, it can be very soft and sweet. And it's just all music to me. It, it, and I don't separate it because it's very rhythmic. And you know, you know what? It can do everything. So I try to play compositions, different type of uh, ways, different type of themes to showcase, to try to show what the organ can can do with the sounds they can they can produce, and it's and, you know it's so, it's so beautiful. It's just but you need to know how to you know I need to study more, be able to go somewhere and work with the organs more. But uh, I just I have to have it be three here in the house, so I just work from there and then transfer it to the pipe organ when I can. And to me, it's, it's all music. I know it's different types of music, so I just try to play different type of things, different type of moves, and uh, to give a, a good performance for what the pipe organ can do. I can't think of a piece of music we've played on the show that better reflects what we're seeking to amplify here on Future Stops. The world of Amina Claudine Meyer's improvisational suite is primal and sophisticated, raw and refined, brutal and beautiful. Her expansive vision, which contributes so much to the AACM, jazz, and modern music, is a gift of good fortune to the organ world, too. We'd like to thank Amina Claudine Myers for joining us today and sharing music from her unreleased improvisational suite. For more info and links to her work, check out our social media at Future Stops and Future Stops Podcast, where you can bring your voice to the conversation. Future Stops is a podcast from the Royal Canadian College of Organists, produced by Andrew O'Connor with Haley Raymond as community manager and executive producer Elizabeth Shannon. I'm your host, Blake Hargreaves.